Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the next episode we want to see for uh, your listening and viewing pleasure of Puckcast, Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod, featuring me, the Statsman, Paul Bruno, and AJ Scholes. It's S-C-H-O-L-Z, the spelling on, on AJ's last name, and make sure you get it right because he's a great follow at AJ Scholes. 24. He's living in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and I hope, AJ, it's a beautiful sunny day where you are. I'm We're in, enjoying unseasonably warm weather in uh, the southern Ontario region, and uh, I'm still thinking about playing golf once or twice but uh, before we pack it in for this year. But, AJ, hockey's on the, on the docket again tonight and today in our show, and I want to talk to you a couple, about a couple of things. I'm noticing, you know, we did our DK hit today, and I, I looked at some of the goals against totals, and there's a couple of teams that are almost giving up five goals against per game. I have, we haven't seen that for a long, long time. And uh, I have my own theory about why I think goal scoring is up. I wonder, wonder if you have any thoughts, and we'll knock that around. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, probably number one, obviously, early start to the season, I, I think we're seeing goalies, starting goalies at least, take less and less uh, games during the preseason. So I think there's some early season rust to kind of shake off at, at the start of the year. Um, and I think we're seeing backup goalies play more. Um, you know, they, they, it used to be, you know, Marty Baron had played like 76 games in a season or something ridiculous like that, right? Like you don't see that anymore. Most of the time you're shooting for around 55. So we're going to see more backups and, uh, more guys that, you know, don't play quite so frequently uh, in the in the lineup there. So those are kind of the two things I can name off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, last couple of years, they shrunk down pad size on the goalies a little bit. Um, you know, guys are getting better at, at hitting those tight corners, those tight spots yeah. um, against the goalies. So but yeah, I think overall, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, potentially just uh, some early season jitters and some more backups. Well, I wonder, too, if we're on the verge of a golden age of offense, because I'm also seeing a real steep decline, I think, in the physicality of the games. I mentioned to you before we went to air today that I look at the box scores pretty closely, and I I look at the team hit totals. And there's been some games where some teams are not even in double digits for hits, and that's that's hard to do in a 60-minute game of a game that I, I grew up thinking was a pretty physical sport. And uh, we're not seeing that so much. So the fear factor is gone and, and players are taking more chances, feeling a little more aggressive. But And that goes hand in glove with, with what you said about the equipment shrinking and, and uh, you know, the snipers just taking aim and, and go having at it with great results. So we're seeing higher goals, uh, totals. There's some threats for multiple players with 50 plus goals even a 60 goal scorer last year and I think we probably will see much of much more of the same this season AJ so for those of us who are in fantasy pools uh, I love the fact that we can talk about goal scoring but uh, there's still goalies getting their fair share of shutouts and we're going to touch on some of them that recorded some over the past week for their respective clubs but we can't get into today's show without I got to give you the floor a little bit here, I think, because we're on the eve of yet another matchup between two of the greatest individual rivals that we've seen in the sport for for decades, and that's Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. I noted on Twitter, somebody put out a tweet that heading into tonight's game, they're even in all-time total points in their careers. Of course, Crosby has the advantage in assists while Ovechkin in goals, but overall in points, they're in a dead heat. Uh, Ovechkin is two year, almost two years older than Sid the Kid, but 
these guys have been uh, joined at the hip uh, for about the last 15, 17 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, 14-23 is the total. Um, as you kind of reference, Ovechkin had a, an extra year there, I, I think. Uh, no, actually, with the lockout, with the 4 lockout, they've had the same number of overall seasons. Um, Crosby missed a significant chunk of games due to injury, so uh, he's played played less games. And then, yeah, like you said, like Crosby uh, has 900 assists, just hit that mark the other day. Ovechkin, for his part, has 788 goals. So, yes, we compare these two guys all the time, but in a lot of ways, they are not really comparable. I mean, Ovechkin's a winger um, that shoots the puck, scores goals. Crosby is, you know, a center, um, face-offs and, and dishing the puck more. Um, so, yeah, there's – there's uh, obviously, they came in at the same time, how they touted, and they'll be forever kind of linked – and, uh, you know, the debate will probably go on for perpetuity as to who was the better player. Uh, I have long said that if you want the better player, all-around player, you're going to take Sidney Crosby. If you want the better goal scorer, hands down, you're going to take Ovechkin. So, um, but yeah, that's that's my take on it. That's where I rank him. I also mentioned Crosby has more cups than Ovechkin, <laughs> I like to say, but um, that's not taking anything away from either, you know, either guy. They are both fantastic hockey players and have been the faces of the, the NHL for a long time. And really when they needed two big guys the most coming into that 05 season after having lost an entire year, they get the new deal coming out of that uh, TV deal with NBC. And so they're able to kind of get on TV more and, and stuff like that. So they were much needed at that time. Well, AJ, I'm going to pump Sidney Crosby's tires a little bit more. I know we can talk about the fact that Alex Ovechkin just set the, the all-time record for most goals of the one team by surpassing Gordie Hausmark last week, and he's fast closing in on Wayne Gretzky. We know that he's just over 100 goals away from him. But uh, Sidney Crosby has not had the star power of forwards on his wings as uh, much as as Ovechkin has with star centers. I mean, he's had Nicholas Backstrom and the relationship that they've carved on and off the ice has really led to uh, uh, one of the most dynamic duos we've ever seen. But I don't know if you can single out any one player who's been Crosby's uh, uh, Robin to his Batman, I'll say. And I mean, you watch more games than, than I have of Sidney Crosby's career. Uh, can you identify maybe even one player that's played uh, more than anybody else on his wings? And and uh, then we can address the star power of that player because I couldn't come up with a guy the equal of of Nick Backstrom or or even of Gedek Kuznetsov for Sidney Crosby. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's been kind of a rotating group of guys. Um, you know, Brian Russ has certainly succeeded in that role. Uh, Jake Gensel the last several years um, before that. You know, early on, like a, a Colby Armstrong yeah. uh, going old school on that one. Uh, Chris Kunis. Chris Kunis and Crosby right. worked really well together for a long yeah. time. So those are just a couple of names um, that come to mind. Pascal Dupuis is yeah. another. Um, but, yeah, to your point, he hasn't had one guy on his line that he's played with throughout most of his career. Now, obviously, he's had, uh, you know, Malkin and Latang to help him out as a sure. team as a whole. But, yeah, as far as a, a winger – uh, uh, an A to or a B to his A. There hasn't really been that. And and you know you can compare to some of the all time greats. You can look at 
even Mario Lemieux had some star power with Kevin Stevens playing alongside him, Jeremy Jagger, but uh, and Gretzky with Yari Curry, of course. But it just occurred to me that that uh, Sidney Crosby has really been been almost a helicopter guy uh, when you consider he, he, the way, the talent on his wings has been a little bit less than than the guys who ride shotgun or have ridden shotgun with some of the all time greats that that we're talking about here. So just another feather in Sidney Crosby's cap. And I put it there for you, though. So <laughs> hopefully that puts a smile on your face as you anticipate tonight's game. I know you'll be blue to the TV, but I'll probably tune that one in, too, because I don't know how many of these match, head-to-head matchups we're going to have remaining with these guys as they are in the latter stages of their careers. But wish them both well as they climb up the leaderboards. And uh, I wish them good health until they, they as, for as long as they play this game because it's been fun to watch them. AJ, we are uh, over a month into the regular season, and we're starting to see some trends here now. I look at the top scorers in the past week. We're going to name some names that are household names for almost all the clubs. And it just occurs to me that that the cream has risen to the top right across the league. And why don't we address what's going on in each each of the 32 burbs around the NHL? And you can kick us off with a look at the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, so from a uh, from a you know news and, and injury standpoint, um, important to note Adam Henrique, who had two goals last week. Um, so if you're going to use him in DFS tonight, just be aware that he will not uh, be in the game. Uh, expecting a, a kid to be born here shortly. Um, so yeah, no Adam Henrique tonight, and so that'll be obviously a bit of a blow to them. As I mentioned, two two goals for him this. Uh, this uh, last couple of weeks. And so you've got uh, Comtois getting some goals in there as well. Uh, and really, again, as we've said, kind of all, all season long, it's been mostly a, a young man's game here, but you know, John Klingberg, five assists in their last four games. Um, yeah. Going even further, Henrique has four goals in their last four games. So they're starting to get some, uh, some production out of the kind of elder statesmen on the squad as well. Um, and I think that's going to make them a dangerous out. I don't think it's going to make them a playoff team, um, but they're going to be a hard team to beat uh, for the, you know the rest of the Pacific here. And AJ, when it comes to the Arizona club, I have a lot of trouble finding notes uh, of any positive nature to say about these teams, this team, but they have put together uh, a stretch where they've won four of their last seven games. So things are looking a little more positive than they were earlier on this season, but they're, I think they're waiting almost for, for some of their younger players to develop. They're not getting a lot of traction out of so many of their, their youngsters, but they've added another guy recently who is maybe worth a look. His name is Matias Michelli. He's got nine points in 12 games played. He's found a, a spot on the second line here. So I, I think they got to be feeling positive that they may have uncovered a guy out of almost left field in, in their roster. He's holding down the second line left wing spot alongside Lawson Krause, who might be one of their more dynamic, considered one of their more dynamic wingers. And uh, Nick Bukestad centering that line. You've seen Nick Bukestad's act before. He had trouble finding a role in the top four lines for the for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They also auditioned Travis Boyd in a top line role here. He's now in the fourth line role. He was a fourth liner with Maple Leafs a couple of years ago. Couldn't see to seem to stay up. So that just underscores the the thin nature of the depth on this club. They also are waiting for some traction and maybe trade talks and, and health for one Jacob Chikrin, who suffered a bit of a setback from his wrist injury that's kept him out of the lineup. Not only 
all season this year so far, all of training camp and then part of last season. So must be one hell of a wrist injury, I'll say that. And, uh, you know, they're, they're thinking that they can get a couple of nice pieces because he doesn't want to stay here and play for this club. So they want to test the waters for trade possibilities with him uh, in the near future if they possibly can. That's just a, a waiting game that, that they're having to play, and they're having to do it in, in uh, the squalor of almost a high school gym set up for their dressing room. So really not a lot of positives there. I'll throw one bouquet at them, though. Carol Vimelka has really emerged for me as a young goalie with, with uh, a high ceiling, I think. He produced two more two wins this past week. He's turned back 88 shots. So if you're in a league with teachers, goalies, and saves, this guy has to be a, a consideration to pump up your stats in, in saves categories if, if your pools allow that. I know that some of them do. So uh, a small consideration, and that's really all we're looking here at here in the Arizona situation. We're just trying to dig for anything that we can find that we can say about this club on a weekly basis. It's a challenge. In Boston, I think we have to talk uh, more about the off-ice situations there with them trying to sign uh, the uh, – I'm forgetting his name. It doesn't even matter. They signed a player who had been mired, uh, Mitchell, in a uh, – kind of off-ice controversy. Yeah. I'd seen him drafted by uh, Arizona, and then that draft pick rescinded. And look, I, I think this is a huge blunder for the team, and I think Cam Neely was relatively upfront about that fact, um, that they didn't talk to the uh, the person who is the subject of, of the this abuse for years or, or his family before, you know, making the move to do this signing. And, and I'm – you know, I'm all in favor of, you know, second chances here, but uh, I think five minutes of, you know, a little extra legwork and, and vetting, speaking to that family, they would have decided, yeah, this is not a situation that we want to be involved in here. And I have to give kudos to the the Boston locker room. By all accounts, they uh, kind of, they also approached ownership and were or not ownership, but uh, management. And we're kind of like, uh, what are we doing here? Yeah. This doesn't really seem like the right choice. So, um, good to see that they have backtracked on that, um, but I'm fortunate that they didn't do their due diligence enough to avoid this happening even in the first place. AJ, unlike the situation in Arizona, we did start to throw bouquets the Buffalo Sabres way early this season, but uh, some issues, some warts are starting to show here on this team. They have lost their last three games, and one of them was against that aforementioned Arizona club. The other one against uh, league heavyweights Tampa and Carolina, all three in the past week uh, in consecutive fashion. And one thing that's occurring to me is that Eric Comrie was touted as maybe a guy who uh, could make the jump to a first-string type goalie, but he's been a little bit exposed. The numbers are not very favorable for him so far this season. In nine appearances, the goals against is way over three in a game, 3.35, and the save percentage at 89.2%. Both those figures, not very good. And that's despite the fact that they've got a pretty nice-looking roster in front of that tandem with him and, and Craig Anderson in that. So a bit of a concern is emerging in, in Saberland, but it's being masked by the fact that this team is still getting a lot of scoring from all over their roster. We haven't talked about Victor Olofsson very much, but he did lead the club with three goals last week. Most of the talk has revolved around first-liners, uh, Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck, who've been really carrying the mail. They are uh, two of... Uh, 
the top three scorers on this team. But the top guy is Rasmus Dahlin, who's having an outstanding year and has to be considered one of the top offensive defensemen in the game these days. 16 points in 12 games. He's on the verge of a career high in that regard. And he's got a great defensive presence too, AJ. He's a big man who uses his size very effectively. And uh, so the the former first overall pick is really coming into his own in Buffalo and the offenses as well. But the, the defense has been a little bit exposed in that past week, and that's a trouble spot. For Carolina, they're going to have some concerns on the back end here. Freddie Anderson out at least for sure tonight. I would guess probably tomorrow as well with them heading into a back-to-back so that's going to be a big question mark for them. They are still without Andre Kasha, who's been dealing uh, with a concussion and the corresponding symptoms. He's been sidelined long term for them with no clear update from the team on when he might come back. In terms of the rest of the, the lineup here, you know, it's been a pretty good, pretty productive week for the most part here. You've got uh, Sebastian Ajo with five points, Martin Nekash with four, Sveshnikov with four assists. And then Seth Jarvis kind of picking it up a little bit. And I'll highlight him only because we talked about him last week as a player who, like, don't bail on it yet. It's been slow. If he's on your team, maybe ride the wave a little bit. Three points in three games over the last week. So um, starting to come around. It's one you're going to want to monitor. There might be other players you want to jump on in the league, and maybe he's somebody to consider dropping. But like I said, I thought it was too soon last week and then obviously with three points you're going to want to keep him heading into this week as well. AJ in Calgary it's been a very much a Jekyll and Hyde start for this team they started off like a house on fire but it was talking about the new additions looking good and the offseason trade that really stemmed the tide of some bad news about players leaving the organization but they're they're over in their last six they've got only two points from overtime losses in that mix and the offense has really not been there uh, in that stretch and front and center are the two new acquisitions that we talked glowingly about. Jonathan Huberdeau limited to one goal and five assists so far in 11 games played. And uh, on defense, Mackenzie Weger with only four assists so far. I expected both of these guys to play well at both ends of the ice and do what they've done their whole careers in Florida. But it seems to me that they're not finding things to their liking, uh, or at least their comfort level in the early going of the schedule. I'm, I'm going to attribute that just to uh, taking a little more time than their fan base would like to get transitioned there and comfortable. But I, I stink, still think there's way too much quality there. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I think Tyler Toffoli is showing fans just how how good a relationship he has with the head coach, uh, Mr. Sutter. They play. They were together in L.A., and they won a cup out there together. And Toffoli, A.J., was never more than a, a second-line type forward, but he's getting first-line reps here and returning uh, really good numbers here. He's got 10 points in 12 games. He's on pace for his best start of his career. So there's it's a good news, bad news situation here in Calgary at the moment. Well, with Chicago, uh, they continue to kind of be right there uh, on the edge of, you know, being a a potential playoff team. So they're looking uh, okay right now, still sitting in fourth in the the central division here and and right in the mix, really, for, for a playoff spot. And a lot of that obviously has to do with kind of their big name guys. You've got Jonathan Taves with a pair of goals this last week in three games. Caleb Jones picks up two assists as well as he continues to fill in on that power play unit. Speaking of some of those injured guys, all of Tyler Johnson, Seth Jones, 
and Alex Stalock were on the ice this morning. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to play anytime soon, but they're at least trending in the right direction here. Getting those guys back would be a huge boost uh, pretty much across the lineup here. AJ, I mentioned some of the bloated goals against uh, figures around the league, and we look at Columbus net-minding situation. Elvis Merz-Lickens, who's their uh, consensus number one guy, he's been involved in eight games so far, has an 86.3% save percentage and a 4.82 goals against. That's approaching almost a very good lacrosse goalie uh, stat line, but, uh, of course, they give up a lot more goals per game in that sport, so they got to cut that out, and it's also made worse by the fact that offensively, they were looking at two forward lines at the beginning of the season where I thought that they would have some pretty good scoring totals, but you look at what uh, Johnny Gaudreau's brought to the table so far, his offense has taken a hit. There's no ifs, ands, or buts so far. Nine points in 12 games is good for most uh, middling to above average players, but he's one of the elite guys in the league, and that's a 62-point pace. That's that's almost half of what he did last year. And it's not helped by the fact that Patrick Liney has been limited to only three points in his six games, but it doesn't stop there. You've got to look at the second line tandem that's driving that unit. Jack Roslavic, who uh, found life to, in Columbus to his liking when he first got there, has been limited to only six points. Gustav Nyquist, who has been a leading scorer on this team, has only got four points. So it's not just the two signature players on the first line, but it's the guys on the second line that are, are not pulling their weight offensively. And you marry that with the goaltending stats that I showed that I highlighted off the top of this clip. And, uh, and boy, there's a lot of trouble in Columbus. And uh, I don't think all of it was anticipated. Well, in Colorado, rather, they've got some uh, pretty big concerns right now. The fact that Valeria Nachushkin is going to be out for um, at least uh, we're looking at early December here after undergoing ankle surgery. They've got injuries to Samuel Garrard, Bo and Byram are both banged up. And they're already deploying or have been deploying seven defensemen um, because they are tied up against the cap in terms of players here. Gabriel Landeskog still out. Darren Helm still out. So there's a lot of big question marks in Colorado right now. I don't think that's really going to affect them too much when you look at the fact that they're getting solid net mining out of Alexander Georgiev. Rantanen picks up five uh, points. Uh, McKinnon has seven helpers last week. McCarr with five points. So clearly... The offense isn't hurting, but at some point you have to imagine that these injuries are going to start to pile up, whether that means more shots uh, faced by Georgiev and Francis because uh, the defensemen are having to scrape kind of the bottom of the barrel or uh, if their depth just kind of starts to get eaten alive here on the back end. Your, your top line can only carry you so far, no matter how good it is, even when it is McKinnon, Rantanen, and Lekkanen. And AJ, we'll start with the goalie note in Dallas where uh, their top goalie has been sidelined and that's given room Scott Wedgwood a chance to, to put some games together and he's done very, very well. He's appeared in the last four games in place of Jake Oppinger, who's listed as day-to-day and should be expected back within a week. But Wedgwood has only allowed 10 goals over his last four starts, keeping this team in the hunt uh, game in, game out. And it uh, wasn't expected that he would carry that kind of a load uh, this early in the season, he's more of a backup, a definitely second string here, but he's given a good account of himself so far, and it's given the rest of the team a little bit of an opportunity to get some traction. I mean, I'm surprised that we're a few weeks into the season, and neither one of us has mentioned Joe Pavelski so far, but I'll be the first one to do so. He he put together a pretty solid week to be at the forefront of the team's offense last week a little bit with a three-point week, and uh, 
Jason Robertson with six points and Jamie Benn, three, two other veterans who have uh, uh, kept the needle going in a positive direction offensively for this club. And on defense, Miro Heiskanen with three assists has been carrying a lot of the mail. He's getting a lot more of the responsibilities since he's a clear the top defensive op- offensive option uh, on the back end for the, the Dallas Stars at the moment. In Detroit, we've got uh, some tough injury news. Matt Luff, who was uh, unfortunately checked from behind in a boarding incident last night um, that could result in a suspension uh, for, for Montreal's uh, Slavskowski. Uh, but Luff is going to miss 10 to 12 weeks after un- and will undergo wrist surgery tomorrow as a result of that incident. Um, they should get Tyler Bertuzzi back. They're targeting a Tuesday return for him. So uh, one in, one out for them right now. That still means they have to go two games without Bertuzzi uh, or uh, Luff. And, of course, they are still without Philip Zadina, Robbie Fabry, and Jacob Verana in that forward complement. So things are getting pretty thin up top in Detroit here, and that's going to you know affect their ability to score goals and, and rack up wins so far. Billy Huso has kind of manned uh, manned things for them. His last three uh, outings, he's three two zero and one with a sub one goals against average, just 0.97, including a twenty four save shutout performance against the Islanders. So they're going to need him to continue to be up to that level um, because the goals may be a little hard to come by right now. Well, goal scoring is not the issue in Edmonton, AJ. They've got two of the best players in the game who will produce almost every night. So they're getting the offense, but the trouble spot seems to be with a bright light focused on Jack Campbell right now. His goals against heading into action the rest of the week stands at a 3.93, the save percentage 88.4. That's second best on this team to Stuart Skinner, a local product in Edmonton who is really gaining in popularity and traction with playing time. He's got six appearances to Campbell's nine. And I think he's going to close the gap gap. If he continues with the current numbers, 92.8 save percentage, 262, the goals against. So he's becoming a bit of a, a darling of the local media at the expense of a guy who I thought would own the media in this town, the way Jack Campbell's charisma has carried him through uh, uh, his stay in Toronto. He was really popular here with his teammates and the fans, but uh, the, the, Big numbers, not making it e- an easy transition to Edmonton. And, uh, of course, we have to give an update on Evander Kane, who, if you're not aware, he left last night's game a late start with a severe cut on his wrist, and it was a very scary incident. But all indications are that uh, things are under control. It's not. Uh, there's no uh, time horizon for his return, but the fact of the matter is he avoided a, a really – a terrible outcome because of the swift uh, response of the local trainers and hospital staffs and uh, kudos to them for uh, for dealing with what was really an unsightly situation that unfolded before our eyes on TV last night. Well, over in Florida, Paul, you alluded to this uh, on DraftKings earlier today that Sergei Bobrovsky's numbers have not been that great of late. You look at this last week, he played two games Went one and one, but eight nine seven was the save percentage. Three nine three, the goals against average, and so Spencer Knight has also played two games, similar record, but the save percentage is north of nine hundred, and the goals against average is below three. Um, and they're going to go back to Spencer Knight tonight, and so that's a good indication of uh, of what they're expecting there. That you know maybe Bobrovsky's struggles um, are 
are starting to come to the forefront again. We saw this a couple of years ago or two, like two years ago with Spencer Knight. Unfortunately, last season, he didn't really get a chance to capitalize on that. Then, of course, they've got Matthew Tuchuk uh, out for suspension. He's got one more game to miss there. Patrick Hornquist is hurt, so they're having to go a little bit uh, different on the forward complement here as well with Carter Verhege, Alexander Barkov, and Colin White as the top line here in Florida. Hey, Jay, there's a good news, bad, bad news situation where an injury to Alex Iafalo pushed him out of the lineup, but they have found an able replacement in Gabe Bellardi, who has six goals and two assists in his last eight games. He's playing alongside Anze Kopitar and Adrian Kempe on the top unit there and uh, finding life to his liking. That's a pretty cheap DFS value play uh, at the moment. He's not being uh, ranked very highly on the, on the salary brigade in either Fan, uh, FanDuel or DraftKings will remind our listeners that we're going to give you our top lineups for each platform ahead of tonight's slate of games. So hang around for that. But uh, it, it also has resulted in the rejigging of this forward group where uh, Trevor Moore has hung, managed to hang on to a top six role alongside Philip Deneau and Victor Arvidsson. And I'll repeat that Philip Deneau has really found an offensive game to match the 200-foot game that he brings to the t- brought to the table when he arrived from Montreal. So that's kind of looking like found, found money, that he's almost looking like Anze Kopitar light there as they got a really nice-looking one-two punch at center. And on defense, they've got some talent uh, that's uh, coming to the fore alongside Drew Doughty. It was uh, Drew Doughty and then pray for, for, for miracles from the rest of the, the contingent back there but matt roy has emerged as a as a confident defender sean dersey has a big time upside to his offensive game and mikey anderson has fit in like a glove alongside drew doughty and uh, that's afforded them the, the opportunity to put a guy like alex edler on their third pairing along with sean walker in a bit of a, uh, a defensive minded duo so i like the component composition of the defensive core there and uh, the rejigging of the offense makes this team a tough out uh, in front of a Goldie Tan that I still think is one of the best in their division with Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson volleying uh, starts back and forth. Well, in Minnesota, they have been immensely struggling for offense. No goals in their last two games, one goal in the game before that. Um, So they are definitely dealing with uh, some offensive problems there uh, I think some of that obviously had to do with, you know, Jordan Greenway was out for a while. Ryan Hartman's been out. Marcus Foligno has been out. Um, and then obviously in their last game here, Kirill Kaprasov gets sent off partway through the game. He's avoided a suspension here, just going to get a fine for that incident. So he'll be in action tonight. And I'm expecting that this matchup with Anaheim tonight might be what this team needs to get things going again and start producing offensively. But as I said, it's been a pretty quiet uh, week for them and a lack of production. Obviously that's not going to make anything easier on the netminders. Kaprasov, your two goals um, over the, those, those uh, this stretch. And so they're going to need more production out of them and, and get something going here. AJ, in Montreal, the news, uh, the top news that surrounds their uh, number one overall draft pick from this most recent draft, Yurik Slakovsky, he just played his 10th game. So that means they're burning a year out of his entry-level contract. And he also will be on the carpet with the NHL's player and safety uh, department for a hit uh, the, that he uh, 
did last game. And so there's some concern about the discipline that might come his way. Maybe you've heard something in the time since the announcement last night. I haven't yet. And uh, yet I'm a little bit perplexed about them burning the first year out of his contract. This team's not going anywhere. So I don't, I don't know if he might have benefited from being out of the limelight to hone his skills on uh, North American soil after coming over from Europe, from Czech, the Czech uh, league and and uh, getting his feet wet un- away from the bright lights but they've chosen to do it in under the brightest lights of all in montreal and uh, you know i don't know i don't know how it's going to play out i wonder if you can venture an opinion before you get into your next profile there well i'll start by pointing out the fact uh, literally just came across as we were talking here paul slavkovsky going to be suspended for two games yeah. for that boarding incident so um, that's that is the news there for them I'll move us on uh, to the New Jersey Devils here. Uh, Vitek Vanasek with three wins uh, in this last week, looking uh, pretty good, all told, not just the three wins. Vanasek's on a uh, six-game winning streak during which he has a 1.62 goals against average, one shutout in there. And interestingly enough, that shutout against Colorado, that's not an easy team to stonewall here. So it's uh, in some ways – this almost looks like the uh, New Jersey Devils of old. They're getting solid net minding uh, and just enough offensive production to, to roll with it. I mean, you look at the last three games, all three have been one goal decisions. And obviously, Vanisak doing enough to carry the workload. And this probably means that we're going to see, even when he comes back, pretty limited Mackenzie Blackwood. Now, we're not expecting him back until December, um, so not – you know, not returning anytime soon. But even if he does at this point, I think Vanisek has to be considered the number one netminder in New Jersey. Yeah, I like that call. So I just picked him up in fantasy. So I'm, I'm glad that you <laughs> you see it that way, AJ. Well, well, well endorsed. Uh, over in Nashville, uh, all you got to do to see what's going on with this team and take a look at the plus minus for the top five scorers on this team. They're all deeply in the red. Philip Forsberg, the only guy that's scoring even at a point per game pace, and the numbers that stand out beside Roman Yossi are only seven points and a, and a minus 11, which is the worst on the club here. So uh, that tells you that they're really having trouble on the defensive side of the puck. And, of course, the guy that's wearing it in goal is, is uh, UC Saros, who's not, uh, not off to a great start either. His goals against is an, an inflated 3.47 and the save percentage 89.2%. So what we're seeing is a real trend toward higher numbers from some of the players that were, you know, it's almost a goal higher across the board we're seeing uh, in terms of goals against for some of the goalies that uh, are noted as being one of the, among the best in the league. So really a telltale sign of what uh, what we talked about off the, the top of the show. But uh, it's not translating to the offense here in, in Nashville. And that's even bigger concern because you got the likes of Rome, Ryan Johansson with only seven points. You've got Tanner Genoa. I thought, I thought he was going to, continue to build off a pretty impressive rookie season. I think maybe you had it right, AJ, because he's only got four points in 13 games played. So offense is is lacking in Nashville. I didn't see it coming, but neither one of us saw the defensive struggles that this team is going through at the moment, and that's the more pressing issue. Well, one team that's not having offensive struggles right now, and it's a bit surprising to say based on what we said last week, is the New York Islanders. You've got Brock Nelson in their last five games here, three goals, three assists. Anders Lee with a five-pack of points. Same for Kyle Palmieri, 
Matthew Barzell still not getting the goals, but another five assist week for him. I mean, you look at this, that goal stretch continues to go. It's up to 14 games the whole season. No goals yet for Matthew Barzell, but 15 helpers over that stretch. It's hard to complain about a guy that's getting you at least an assist per game. Obviously, fantasy owners are going to want some goals to come eventually, um, but right now he's producing enough to get his team some wins. They're sitting uh, in second right now in the Metropolitan, two straight wins for them, and so things are looking up for the New York Islanders. Uh, Can't say the same for their crosstown rivals, the New York Rangers. They've lost seven of their last ten, including their last three in a row, AJ, and they're doing it in such a way that they're not scoring very much and they are giving a lot of goals up more than we're used to. This is a team that was uh, among the final four in the NHL last year. I know teams are going to go through ups and downs. I don't expect this one, this downer to continue too long in New York. Uh, I keep saying this is one of the best rebuilds on the fly that I've ever seen on any franchise. And the fact is that uh, Capo Caco is continuing to play top six minutes. Alexi Lafreniere is getting his feet wet in that regard. These guys are in their second and third year of pro. And that comes at a time when a lot of guys just start to get it in the NHL. And the fact that they're doing it around more experienced players, they're learning from these types. I will point out though, and I took some heat and my, when I went public with a claim that I don't expect Chris Kreider to come uh, up over the 30-goal mark this season. He's on pace for 29 right now with five goals in his first 14 games played. I'll just let that marinate for a while and see how those numbers play out. But I did say Artemi Panarin would be the guy that leads the team in scoring, and there he is at the top of the of the list with 19 points in 14 games played. A lot of that damage on special teams with 11 points in total there. And the struggles of this team might be related to their play in five on five, despite the fact that Panarin sits there with 19 points, he's got a minus eight and that there's a lot of minuses on this team, AJ. And I think it's their five on five play that needs to get better uh, before they can reclaim one of the top uh, rungs in their division. Well, not too long ago, you know, Ottawa was looking really good. People were talking about them potentially uh, being a playoff team here, not, you know, not dealing with too many ill effects of the offseason moves. They were sitting at four and two, looking pretty good in the Atlantic. Six straight losses will definitely change that tune. They're now four and eight uh, on the season. And really, uh, there's plenty of blame to go around this team. You know, you start with the net minding. Uh, Cam Talbot in his last three uh, or last two appearances, uh, eight nine seven was the save percentage. Anton Forsberg not any better, eight three zero with a six point one one goals against average. Uh, offensively, you know there hasn't been a lot really for for them to be super thrilled about here. Claude Giroux, yes, five goals in four games. Um, but other than that, not a lot of other people scoring goals. You've got a handful of guys that also have one. Um, Tim Stutzley looks okay with three goals in there, but um, they're going to need more out of to Chuck to Bryn Cat um, and finding a way. You know, we talked about Shane Pinto a couple weeks ago and how he was going to challenge for that second line role and really putting himself in a good spot there. Pointless in his last four, and now. We had, you know, now we've got Broussard back in that second line center role. It's kind of the like, if Pinto's not doing well, just put Broussard in kind of kind yeah. of mode there. So um, they need to figure some things out here. Uh, goaltending is a big key. 
Um, but they need some more contributors out, outside of just one guy. Well, I'll pick up on a couple of things you just phrases you just used. Philadelphia's figured out their goaltending because Carter Hart's playing like the top prospect that he was thought to be when they first picked him up. He's been struggling mightily to find his groove in Philadelphia, but maybe under the direction of John Tortorella and company, he's he's doing that. This team is really playing a button-down defensive style to help him in that regard and keep the shots at a reasonable number. But Hart's doing his share and then some with glittering goals against numbers. We've talked about some bad ones. How about these? Try these on for size. 94.6 save percentage, 1.97 the goals against. And that's on a team that's been littered with injuries. They're still going to be without Couturier for a while. Van Riebzeich, Cam Atkinson. And uh, you can add the name Artem Anisimov to the list. He's listed as day-to-day, and that's just on the offensive side. Of course, they're without Ryan Ellis on the back end. So a lot of their key players sideline, and yet this team continues to win more than they lose. And uh, when you were trying to figure out uh, the Penguins' playoff possibilities, I'm sure you didn't factor in Philadelphia as a serious contender, but here they are. I think I think they're showing well in year one of Tortorella is usually a, a good outcome wherever he's been. So uh, something to be watchful of uh, in that division going forward. And something else to be watchful for is that we're going to take a bit of a break right now to give our sponsors some airtime, partner. We'll be back with some more news and notes from around the league. You're listening to Roto-Wire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back on the podcast with Statsman and AJ, and it's time for AJ to give his weekly reminder about how you can listen to us and get in touch with us during the course of a week to get answers to your questions and also to give you a heads up on our main sponsor at Caesars. Well, yeah, we're in the throes of the NFL season. The NHL and NBA seasons are rolling right now. We've also got the World Cup around the horizon. It is the best time to try Caesar Sportsbook today. Anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R O T O 1 5. The promo code gives new users a risk free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbook or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. I know, Paul, you're going to put on a bunch. You might take that free bet and put it all on Canada to win the World Cup. You get some pretty good return on that one. Uh, as, as Paul mentioned, though, as always, uh, our reminder that if you have comments or questions about the show, about hockey, about uh, you know soccer with me, baseball, NBA with Paul. We're happy to discuss any range of sports-related topics for you. You can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul at Statsman22. Thank you, partner. And uh, we will continue with our look around the league, and it's time for you to wax poetic about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We did talk about their captain off the top, but there's more going on in Pitt, and uh, they're mired in a lengthy losing streak right now. How are they going to get out of it? Um, pulling their heads out of the proverbial behinds. I'll avoid uh, using the words I want to use so that we can, you know, maintain no explicit uh, rating on this one. But um, they have looked very bad. Um, you know, offensively, pretty stale. I mean, you've got four points in the last three games out of Gensel, Malkin with four points, Crosby with three. So it's not terrible. Um, you know, Brian Russ has kind of slowed down a little bit. They've got some injuries that I think are starting to pile up a little bit. Jeff Carter going to be a game time decision tonight. Same with Josh Archibald. Teddy Bluger continues to be out. But really, I mean, it's hard not to look at the net mining for the problems here. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to put it all on to Smith and Jari, but, you know, they both sub 900 save percentages over the last week, both over four on the goals against average, neither one of these guys really getting it done. And the bigger concern I think is, is gotta be with the players. And it's a, it's it's something that's hard to quantify really, but in many of these games, they've actually had leads. 
and then they blow them big time. Um, so they're not putting their goaltenders in good chances to make saves, and then the goalies aren't making the saves to kind of keep them in these games. So um, I think Jeff Carter coming back could help. It's going to give them some depth that they're kind of missing right now. I mean, the the group on the bottom here, you know, third line, Denton Heinen, Sam Poulin, and Kasperi Kapanen, Brock McGinn, Ryan Poling, and Josh Archibald as the fourth line here. So it's not really a, a, an impressive group at the bottom here. So they're getting Jeff Carter back would be a huge help, but it's not going to solve all their problems. I think this is a team right now that just kind of needs to dig deep and figure out how to, you know, protect a lead and win a game. Well, we're seeing the streaky nature of the game from team to team. We've already seen some other teams go into slumps, AJ, and some others come out. Seattle's one of them that's on a five-game win streak right now. And when you look at the the lengthy injury list, it's an odd time for this to be happening because they're without – the tandem that was supposed to be in the Nets for them at the beginning of the year, that's Philip Grubauer and Chris Dreger. Martin Jones has stepped up and really taken the reins in the Nets and looks really good doing it. He added some pretty good numbers over the past week with three wins and a shutout and only three goals against for his ledger as part of that streak. But the the thing that's really helping him is the veteran core up front is is doing their uh, the spade work offensively. Eberly with a pair of goals, Wenberg with three points, Gord with five points, Burakovsky with four. These are the four of four of the main signature guys in this offense, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And that's gone a long way, along with Jones' goaltending, to stem the tide and and allay any fears about uh, this lengthy injury list. It's the best streak that we've seen out of Seattle, maybe even going back to their inception. Uh, they have never looked this good. And they're doing it with a lot of odds stacked against them. Well, Paul, I will go on record as saying I guarantee if you went back several years and looked at or listened to the tape of us talking about Eric Carlson moving to San Jose, we both would have told you that it wasn't a good idea that having two guys of this caliber and him and Brent Burns on the same team was going to limit opportunities for both guys. It was going to decrease their numbers. And one of them wasn't going to come out looking as good as he was coming in. And that clearly was Eric Carlson. Brent Burns continued to produce while they were together in San Jose. Burns is gone now. And lo and behold, Eric Carlson leads all defensemen in the league in points right now. Ten goals, nine assists through 14 games. And it's a lot of five on five. Only six of those 19 points are coming with the man advantage. And I just don't think having, you know, an A1 and B, uh, you know, tandem on on the blue line is going to work. The guys just don't get the minutes and the opportunities they need. Now, a one and two absolutely is something you want. But the price you're paying for Eric Carlson was for a 1B, not for a number two offensive option. And so they're finally getting the production out of him that they've been hoping for. Um, It's reflected in their offensive numbers. On the you know back end, they probably you know wish maybe they had Martin Jones right now. Three overtime losses in their last three games. The save percentages for both Reimer and Cochranin are under nine. Uh, the numbers aren't great for the goaltending, but they're getting some offense and at least get grabbing a point uh, every kind of outing here lately and, and getting something rather than nothing. And in St. Louis, they're not getting very much out of this team overall. And uh, I think back to this club a couple of years ago, AJ, when they won the Cup. And then after that, they still were 
uh, a tough out in the playoffs a year later. But now they look like a shadow of their former selves. And I just wonder if the speed of the game is something that this roster is not designed to keep up with. Certainly, they still have a couple of guys who can play with anybody. I think of Vladimir Tarasenko front and center there and maybe Tori Krug on the back end. But uh, they are both even having trouble uh, keeping afloat. They're among a bunch of players here with both negative plus minus uh, on the year. And then you throw in the fact that in net, uh, Jordan Bennington really hasn't figured it out and got the ship righted with a 337 goals against average. Thomas Rice there with a 3.79. This is a team that's been noted as a, a club that plays a 200-foot game as a team and really plays it very tough and and shouldn't be allowing this many goals again. So they've got some serious concerns throughout this roster, and a lot of it has to do with an aging core, I'm going to suggest. They've got 23 goals for 43 against over 11 games played. Those are horrendous numbers and something that we didn't forecast for this club. And uh, I don't know how long they wait before they start to try and tinker with things, maybe make some seismic changes on uh, in the makeup of the roster and shift some lines around. But right now, they're still going with the core uh, and the units that we saw from the beginning of the season almost. Uh, Jordan Cairo, Braden Shen, Buknevich on the second line, Thomas, Tarasenko, and Saad on the first. And they're trying to stretch the offense. They've been doing this much of the season, getting Ryan O'Reilly on a third scoring line. I think they better just pick the six best forwards and group them on top the top two lines like many other teams are doing around the league and see if that can then switch things up because they're, it's not working right now. Well, down in Tampa right now, they're getting something I don't think we ever expected. And that's pedestrian net minding. Um, Not terrible, but not great. You look at this season, Vasilevsky has never has yet to have a game in which he's allowed fewer than two goals. And in fact, over his last uh, five contests, it's been three or more in every one of those. Now, he has come away with some victories in that, so they're staying in it. Some of that obviously has to do with the offense. You look, last four games, Nikita Kucherov, nine points. Braden Point with seven. Brandon Hagel with five. Stamkos with a four-pack of helpers. So they're getting offensive production by from, uh, from some of these guys. Now, they did miss Victor Hedman for a little bit in there, but he is back and available and in the lineup. So you're... you're like you look at their record right now and it's just kind of meh they're they're meh and they're getting meh net minding and they're going to need better if they want to you know be in the mix you've got Detroit performing better than they have in the past um, Florida is obviously right there in the mix and so this is not an easy Atlantic Buffalo had a strong start to the year they've cooled a bit here um but, you know, if Tampa wants to be a playoff team here again and extend their run of Stanley Cup finals, uh, they're going to need better than what they're getting out of Vasilevsky. Well, and goaltending is a real uh, topic of, of interest and concern in Toronto. You had Matt Murray go down after the first game of the season. Samsonov stepped into the breach and played heroically until he also went down with a knee injury. Then Eric Schalgren, who was maybe number four or number five on the club's depth chart at training camp, steps in. And with him in the Nets, the prospect of him going in the Nets and Leafs coming off a terrible Western road trip, I thought games against Boston, Carolina, and Vegas, they're going to get killed. Lo and behold, they get five out of six points playing some of the best defensive hockey these eyes have seen out of this group for years. So uh, once again, I mentioned Jekyll and Hyde a reference earlier on. This team has a history of playing 
down to the level of opposition when they're playing poor opponents and they raise their game against the higher upper echelon teams. Maybe I should just hope that they play top teams in the league the rest of the year, but you know it's not going to be that way. They've got to find a way to find more balance and be more consistent. Maybe they're going to get some good news out of the infirmary, though. Matt Murray is back and practicing with the club, could be back in time to play one of the two games coming up in a back-to-back homestand on Friday and Saturday. So I'll wait for that with bated breath for that bit of information. But in the meantime, it's the top. I mentioned the top two lines are loaded here, and they're the ones that are carrying the mail for the Leafs. John Tavares with four goals and one helper. Matthews with three and three. Marner with one goal and six assists. And Matt Nylander, one and two. You're paying these guys big bucks. And right now, they're doing the bulk of the scoring. But on defense, there's also a note that I want to raise, and that's the comparison between Lindgren and uh, Sandine, two young defensemen who are getting paid $1.4 million apiece. They are the hope for the future on the back end. They're getting a baptism under fire right now. And right uh, in the early returns, are Tim- Timothy Lilligren has looked very good since he came back into the fold and uh, picked up two goals in a game last night. But it's not just the offense. He's looking more comfortable on the back end, whereas Sandine just looks like he's overmatched, AJ. And he was the guy that was the big mouth at training camp saying, I want to be a... I want to get the contract. He was holding out, and the, the, a lot of ink was splashed on, uh, all over media about this guy's desire to play a frontline role. He's not earning it right now. He's only getting it by default because there's a couple other guys that are injured on the back end, and he's got to pull up his bootstraps to, to stay a part of this roster. I think he's very vulnerable once the, the uh, infirmary empties out in Toronto. Well, in Vancouver, one of the biggest uh, boons for them, I think, is the fact that with Brock Besser back, they can stack up down the middle their their centers here in JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Bo Horvat, And that's where I think this team is best suited, just running gun with those three down the middle. And I think they're going to outmatch other teams. And that's showing up in their production over this last week here. In their last four games, you've got eight points for both Horvat, Horvat and Pettersson. Miller with six. Quinn Hughes, a, a six-pack of helpers. And then youngster Andre Kuzmenko with four goals and one assist as well. So they've got the wingers capable, but the problem is as soon as somebody gets hurt, they tend to move either Miller or Horvat to the wing. And I think this team is going to have much more success if they can rely on these wingers to produce. And you're talking about Connor Garland, Brock Besser, your boy Ilya Mikheyev, and as I said, Kuzmenko, I think they are set up well to have these guys down the middle. And I think they need to keep it that way as long as they can. AJ, I got a really good look at the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, when they came to Toronto last night. And they rung up their eighth straight win. And I got a real good handle on how they're doing it. I mean, you look at the second line on this team that's been intact almost since the inception of this franchise with veterans, Marcheseau, Riley Smith, and William Carlson on that unit. But they've got good health in their top two players offensively and Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, who are two-thirds of their top line, and their Swiss Army life knife, Chandler Stevenson, very underrated player. He he was a top-six center for this team last year, playing a lot of minutes on the wing on that top line. So they've got that solid, solidified top-six that I mentioned a couple of times on this show, and their transition game is, is unparalleled. They have, have the ability to turn the ice around 
on a dime. And they did that over and over last night to create so many odd man rushes. And with the skills that they have among their offensive pieces, it was only a matter of time before they got enough opportunities and converted them into yet another win last night. So I've got the formula in mind and uh, I got a real good look at it last night. This is a really good hockey team right now at the top of the NHL standings. For Washington, the Ovechkin counter continues to creep up. He had three goals in his last three games and is producing at a high level. Needs just 13 more to match Gordy Howe for second. And that's obviously a topic that uh, will continue to come up. Having Evgeny Kuznetsov back is certainly good for him there. Dylan Strom drops into a second line role. Um, obviously getting TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Tom Wilson, Carl Hagelin, any, and Nicholas Backstrom, any of those guys is going to help this team in the long run. And it's not just the forward concerns as well. You've got Dmitry Orlov is out to, tonight, John Carlson as well. So they are banged up throughout this lineup with the exception of the net mining uh, as Darcy Kemper continues to carry the workload, although we have seen a little bit of Charlie Lindgren uh, of late. AJ, uh, a couple of minutes ago, I lamented the fact that my favorite club has had trouble taking care of business against lesser opposition. Look at the teams that Winnipeg has played in their last seven games. They got Dallas, Chicago, Montreal, Arizona, L.A., and St. Louis. You know what? They beat them all in uh, six of their last seven games. That's what good teams need to do on a regular basis. You don't leave points on the table. And so at the end of the season, if you're saying, oh, two more points would have been here or three more points would have been there. Winnipeg's getting the job done. They're doing it right. And uh, it's uh, kudos to this team that uh, that they've taken care of business and they're riding the wave of Connor Hellebuck, who is once again proving that he is one of the best goalies in the league, racking up another three wins last week, a shutout and a total of three goals against. And they're another club that is top-heavy in the offensive department. And look at the names that have dotted the list of their leaders last week. Pierre-Luc Dubois, three goals to assist. Mark Shifley, two goals to assist. Connor, uh, Kyle Connor, who was shaken out of an early-season funk with five, one goal and five helpers. On the back end, Josh Morrissey uh, looking good as a power play quarterback there with a goal and three helpers. So all hands on deck, all pulling in the same direction. They're winning the games they're supposed to be, and it's no wonder that they're looking like a contender in their division once again. And a veteran club playing like they know what they're doing. AJ, that completes our swing around the 32 teams. Now we have to take a look at uh, the situation in the DFS land. And so you're up to take a, a, us through the DraftKings lineup in DFS play. How does your uh, lineup look this evening? Well, I guess it depends, Paul. Do you want the Homer lineup or my more, uh, you know, well thought out uh, attempts to, uh, you know, maybe not uh, be so penguin heavy? Um, I'll get I'll give the non Homer one, but maybe I'll tweet out that penguin heavy lineup later today. And it starts for me. I, I mentioned I think Minnesota is in line for a big game tonight. I think they're well suited going up against Anaheim and I expect big things from them here. So I'm going to stack their entire first line um, to start things off. And that includes Kirill Kaprasov at 8,700, who's going to avoid a suspension here. Freddie Gaudreau at the center spot. He's just 3,700, so super cheap. You can go high-low with those two. And then Matt Zuccarello at 7,500, um, getting that whole line in there, um, banking on them uh, pretty significantly. In my other center spot, I'm going to go with Evgeny Kuznetsov. I mentioned the Penguins have struggled to keep pucks out of the net lately. And so getting 
Kuznetsov uh, gives me essentially a share of, of, uh, of, uh, oh my gosh, Ovechkin. (laughs) So we'll go with him uh, there. And then I had to go cheap as well for my third winger here. Went with Brock Besser, 4,900, one assist in his first game back from injury. I think Vancouver has a good matchup tonight um, with Montreal. And then on defense, I'm going to go with two guys uh, who should get plenty, uh, a, a decent amount of power play opportunities. And it starts with going back to Minnesota and Jonas Brodin comes in at just 3K. Uh, he is on the number two unit, not on the number one unit. Doesn't see quite as many minutes as Kalen Addison there, but he is just 3K, so a good spot for him. And then Chris Letang for the Penguins. I I had to get at least one here on a four-game slate. I think it's reasonable to get a share of Pittsburgh. He's 5,800 tonight. My utility spot is going to go back to Vancouver and go with Tanner Pearson. Uh, Comes in at 3,500. He's got the first-line assignment with JT Miller and Brock Besser, so getting two-thirds of that line in here as well. And then between the pipes, I was thinking about going with Minnesota. They are going to go, instead of going with Flurry, um, they are going to go uh, with Philip Gustafson tonight. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I just feel a little less confident with him in there. And so the fact that uh, I can save a little bit of money and go with Thatcher Demko instead, who gets the matchup at 8000 going up against uh, Montreal, I think is a better spot just because I'm not as sold on Philip Gustafson. Hasn't won a game yet this year and has played pretty infrequently. AJ, I'm going to start with the goalie situation. You tipped me off uh, just a few minutes ago. I had the other goalie in the Nets for Vancouver and late breaking news is that Demko is going to be the starter net. But get this, I get him for the same price as I would have had Spencer Martin in the Nets. They're both $6,800 against Montreal. That's a screaming hot value for me. And a break, uh, I think I saved like $1,200 as opposed to what you're paying for him on uh, the DraftKings platform. So I'll gladly take those same savings and apply them to the rest of my roster. I go back to the top of the roster and I may shock you by saying I'm taking Sidney Crosby tonight on the road in Washington. This is going to be a rivalry game like very few others that we see on the calendar in the NHL. And I know that the the Pittsburgh Penguins want to stick it to the Caps right in their home rink. And who better to lead that charge than uh, the venerable captain of the Pens himself for $8,600. Then I pay him with pair him with Trevor Zegras who is running amok offensively with the Anaheim Ducks. I think this is one of, going to be one of those years where they have little to cheer for other than the scoring exploits of, of their top young players, and they've got a few of them, but he's priced at only $6,800 for a favorable matchup against Minnesota. Then I go to the wing, and I got Andrei Svechnikov for $7,100. I talked earlier today about the fact that I think Carolina's got an edge over Florida in the matchup given the, the size of the, and the number of people on the injured list that are key players there. So uh, I think Carolina is going to ride that wave. And I, th- I put their whole second line in play with Marty Netscash at $6,600. And then yes, Barry cut at center for only $3,800. That's a, fi- that's a me the flexibility to go high end with a couple of other pieces that I already mentioned on the blue line. I already talked about the, the fact that Anaheim's a run and gun team. And one of the guys that's benefiting from that, particularly when they're on the power play is John Klingberg for $5,000. I get him in against Minnesota and this team is really struggling right now. And I'll also include Chris Letang at $6,000 
in this roster, AJ. I think the Penguins will take the measure of the Caps, and it'll be the veterans that lead them. On And in uh, reserve, I've got uh, Adam Henrique and Kod Kanyemi in my lineup. Henrique fills out my roster playing alongside Zegras in, in high leverage situations in Anaheim, and I grab him for $4,100. So I've got a range, a wide range of salaries in my roster, but I'm quite happy to get Svechnikov and Crosby at the high end leading the pack. So uh, we're at the point where we got some final thoughts to share, AJ. You, uh, I know you're going to watch the, the game with the Caps and, and uh, the Pens, but do you do that with a bit of a, a lump in your throat thinking you might not see these guys match up too many more times? Or, or are, you really, are you hiding under your desk thinking, oh, I hope we don't make it eight losses in a row? What's your mindset uh, heading into this matchup tonight? Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm I'm at. I'm not uh, just hoping that it's not eight in a row. Like we just need a win. Um, I'm hopeful that if we can get one, we can kind of turn things back around. Just really, you know, great start to the season, looking really good. Offense was rolling. Goaltending looks solid, and then yeah, the wheels have just come off. Starting with similar to what you were saying about your club, a Western Conference road trip that just didn't. Uh, didn't go well uh, and it hasn't really come back together yet. So I would just like to see a win. Uh, I don't care how they got it after that. I would maybe like to see them get an early lead and just hold on to it. That would be step two in the process here. Um, but for tonight, I don't care if the win is 12 to 11 uh, and we go through three. I don't care if we use the e-bug, if we win 12 to 11 after putting the e-bug in as as relief because the other two sucked. A win is a win here. That's all I need to know. Absolutely. I mean, I wonder if there are any fantasy hockey managers out there that are worried about the status of their clubs. We're going to remind you that we're here for you to help you figure out your, your roster situations, no matter what the concerns might be. We encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. We want to thank you for listening to RoarWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Wish you a good week, and as always, so long, everybody.